0: You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, I speak with David Eisen. For more than 30 years, David has been a musician, composer, recording artist, and teacher. Healthcare professionals throughout the world have used his work to bring the therapeutic qualities of sound and music to their patients. Through the Relaxation Company and Sounds True, David has created many albums, including the Musical Body series... The Ison Sleep System, as well as several albums designed to address pain management. I spoke to David about his own journey of discovering how sound and music can be healing, about breath entrainment, and about how sound can actually unbind what blocks us energetically. Here's my conversation with David Ison. David, I know that your own commitment and now decades of work in the field of music and healing came actually from a difficult event in your life a very terrible car accident and to begin with i'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what happened and your response in terms of turning to music as a force for healing
1: yeah i'd be glad to um in nineteen eighty um, I was married at the time, and my former wife uh, we lived on on Cape Cod. she was driving and she went through a stop sign uh, and at a very fast speed and um, hit a car head on and I went through the windshield feet first I was lying down with my feet on the the dashboard I broke my back and and I was caught in the in the windshield and it was pretty scary and so I was in the hospital and before that I had been practicing meditation a particular kind of meditation uh, which I learned from a wonderful man named Jack Schwartz and he published several books he's passed on now, uh, creative meditation, and he was the founder of the Aletheia Foundation. And I have been practicing his techniques of chakra work and balancing the energy centers in the body through breath control. And part of that included um, a type of a breathing that created a deep state of relaxation through the controlled breathing, and working through the autonomic nervous system. So, here I was in the hospital, and I couldn't walk, and I was in a whole lot of pain, and I was really scared, and I was only 30 then, you know, so I was a relatively young man. They wanted to give me a spinal fusion operation and a bunch of other stuff, and I just said no and let me, let me do what I'm doing. And what I was doing was practicing this breathing techniques. and in so doing, I was dropping my pulse below 40 and really low blood pressure. And they would come around every four hours, you know, to take your vitals, and after the second day they they sent a group of people and they said okay so what are you doing because this is consistent and this is, very, you know, this is not normal and so that's when they said we want to do a spinal fusion i said no let me do what i'm doing and because it was a teaching hospital in boston they were open to letting me do what i was doing so i asked them to bring a light table which is a you know uh, a way of showing x-rays and I asked them to bring my x-ray and an x-ray of a not broken back and put them up next to each other and I was I could look at that visualize that and then I had a little handheld tape recorder and I would talk to myself Uh, and count the breathing counts that Jack had taught me um, to myself. And I did that for about two weeks and they let me do it and uh, I walked out of the hospital.
0: Now let's just pause for one second. Can you tell me what exactly you were doing? What breathing technique were you doing?
1: I was... Interested and needing to do two, maybe three things. I needed to maintain the lowest possible vibrational rate within my body as I, as I personally could do. You know, Tibetan yogis and other folks can drop down much further than I'm capable of doing, especially at that point. Um, but the first intention was to um, breathe in such a way that it would create this deep state of relaxation and it's a tendent drop in pulse and blood pressure but equally important and going to point number two is I needed to slow down my brain wave activity and get into a deeper delta state through the breath, through my own workings with the autonomic nervous system. And then number three, what I needed to do was learn to turn my eyes inward and begin to see inside of my body, and in this particular case, be able to see the bone chips that were pressing up against my spinal cord down at the fourth and fifth vertebrae so that I could in quotes, dissolve those bone chips and get them to go away so that they weren't interfering with the electrochemical and electromagnetic flow of the, of the energy in my spine. Um, and then Last but not least, I needed to emotionally and physically emotionally come to grips with the nature of purpose and and the character and the quality of intent. Um, and this situation put me in the cauldron of... Of those energies before in the ten years I was meditating and practicing and doing what I was doing the sense of purpose was you know was what it was but here faced with not being able to walk being tremendous amount of pain being young person and having a whole life in front of me you know purpose became very well understood at that point And so the breathing and the meditating took on uh, a spiritual aspect at that level.
0: Okay, so just to make both of these points a little more clear for me, in terms of purpose, what did you discover about purpose while you were in the hospital?
1: I discovered that purpose is an energy and that it's a physically quantifiable essence and it lives outside of us you know there's a universal purpose that's palpable and touchable and knowable and then as we say as above so below or the inner and the outer need to be harmonized I learned about those laws in this instance and I learned about the essence of of the energy of purpose within my mind, body, and spirit, structure within my physical being, um, and purpose needs a direction, if you will, in order for purpose to be applied as opposed to just being sort of a an energetic, chaotic thing where it needs to be it needs to be focused. And this is where intent comes in, intention and will enter into the field here. So to move a little bit ahead, I learned all of this work was breathing with the chakras. And I learned about the uh, prana or chi or kundalini, whichever anybody would like to call this energy that is the prime, primal life force that is moving through the body and particularly coursing up the spine and moving through the energy centers of the body and i learned how to manipulate that and and that's purpose if you get my meaning you can't do that without choosing to do so and that choice is the thing that activates the energy of purpose And I learned about that. Before I had the accident, I didn't know about that. I didn't have a need, if you will, to know about that. But when I was faced with this deep trauma, um, the need generated the purpose.
0: Mm -hmm. Now you talked about identifying purpose as an energy, both inside and outside the body. And you're describing it inside the body as a directionality, if you will, through the chakras, what did you discover about purpose outside the body? Is there a purpose, David, to what's going on around here? I'd love to know what it is. Well,
1: it's funny, and I don't mean to be trite or something about things, but the first level of purpose for every human consciousness, and perhaps for every existing thing, the first level of purpose is to learn what the purpose is. (laughs) And I, I I know that sounds funny, but it's actually true. <laughs> I mean, hence your question. You know, I mean, it's the same thing. So the first purpose is to learn what the purpose is, and that's a lovely thing if you if you think about it. It's, it's something that everybody shares. Then we move up the ladder of purpose. Purpose, like so many things, has multi levels to it. It's it's not just one static layer. And so there's a ladder of consciousness, and there's an attending ladder of purpose. Um, So I think that the universal purpose is nicely identified as being learning to, you know, again, Tammy, you can move through so many levels of this, um, but I think that the universal purpose is to really come to know the the function and the form of unity and to move and to allow the consciousness to learn the meaning and the form and the function of unity. And that is the path. The path is to move the consciousness toward this notion and toward the embodiment of unification. Mm -hmm. So the universal purpose is to unite with what is already in union. Mm-hmm. You 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 get my meaning about I, I that. I do.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Thank you. Mm. I do want to track back for a moment because sure. you, you, I'm still sort of with you in the hospital, if you will, and nice. you know here you are. You're inside your body. You're making these discoveries, and you mentioned about how you really worked with your breathing. And I know a big part of the music that mm. you compose and create has to do with this idea of breath entrainment. In fact, there's a phrase even coined the ice and breath effect. You have yeah, a breath, breath effect named after you. The ice <laughs> yeah. and breath effect. So what I want to get clear about is, here you are in the hospital. Was it simply a question of slowing your breathing down? Were you breathing from a certain part of your body, like down in the lower abdomen? Or Tell me what you learned about this healing form of breathing.
1: Well... There are, like I was saying a moment ago, there are many layers to this. So in the initial stages of just purely creating the relaxation response and dropping pulse and blood pressure and accessing the autonomic nervous system through slowing the consciousness uh, rate of vibration down, there is a specific breathing pattern that, that one learns And yes, it is. And and then by learning this pattern and performing it, you will step into the relaxation response. That pattern is also related to resonating with particular energy centers. So each energy center has a breathing pattern that's associated with it. And these patterns are elongated in-breaths, and and elongated out-breaths. And then there is some period of holding the breath in between the exhalation and the inhalation. And it gets slightly complex, you know, for if you will, for the layman at that level. Particularly as you're climbing the ladder of the chakras, you know, by the time you get into the fifth chakra and above the heart, the breaths are really quite long, and, uh, and, you know, you have to be really well-versed in, in doing it to even sustain that kind of breathing pattern. So I learned all of that, and then I learned that there was a fundamental breathing pattern based on a seven-second inhalation and a seven-second exhalation that when the body would breathe in this way, it would pretty much guarantee anybody can experience the relaxation response with its attending drop in pulse and blood pressure and the slowing down of the brain waves through this particular breathing pattern, out of all of them. And it's easy, in quotes, and it's the easiest out of all of them. So when I was in recovery, after I left the hospital, to much fanfare, I might add, there was like applause and stuff with the nurses. It was really great. When I went home, and now I was in recovery, and I still was in bad shape, you know, and I couldn't really walk that well. So I set up a room, and it was my first room where I set up a practice. And I had my rugs and symbols and sacred geometry and all my books and and my instruments, and I could lay down, and I could meditate in this laying-down position and begin to pull the energy up my spine with consciousness, with work. And at the same time I was doing this deep experimenting based on Jack's programs and my own discoveries now about purpose and intent and, and tapping into the energy of those things, which are living in the root chakra, by the way, the root chakra is vibrating with four essences, creation, purpose, identity, and intent. And those essences are what is moving up the ladder of consciousness, and they're transmuting and going through their various changes in, as, you, as you move up the ladder. So I was able to latch on to those things, grab a hold of them, and pull that energy up my spine at the same time i had many books you know i'm a musician and i've been a musician since i was 11 and so i'm always composing by at that time i had you know written lots of songs and sold songs and been a performer and and but i had no experience with the therapeutic use of sound, I had glimmers of it, because everybody knows in the musical land that when you play a major chord, it's happy, and when you play a minor chord, it's sad, and so with that little tiny glimmer of of therapeutic value, I began to obtain sacred volumes and this was in the days before ebay when you had to go forth and find things you know and i was always a collector of magic books and and practices and so i got a hold of ancient ayurvedic texts and these texts described key signatures and rates of vibration that were associated with each energy center, lo and behold, who knew? So I started to work with these texts, and I practice um, Tibetan three-note singing. So I'm like, and I'm lying down, and I'm doing that, but I have a little tiny guitar, a 1903 Martin guitar, which somebody gave me when I broke my back. And it was so light. I still have it. It's right here in this room. It, the, thing, the thing weighs as much as a feather. It's so light and beautiful and old. And I would put it on my chest and read the text get my mind into purpose and into intent and then pluck the string that was the note of the energy center that I was reading about in these ancient Ayurvedic texts and then tone that note in the Tibetan three-note singing style and all of a sudden the world began to change. and. I was activating the energy centers with sound.
0: Now you're pretty good at that overtone singing thing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> did you just did you just start experimenting with that and discover that you could do it?
1: Yeah, it just kind of popped out, and and you know I'm a I'm a Tibetan practitioner at another level, and I have a deep great deal of resonance with that thing, and you know two years later after I came out of all this i had a i wrote soundtracks for films in cambridge that's what how i made money and i made some money and we built a recording studio in cambridge behind m-i-t and it was in a house we bought a house there when when you could buy houses in cambridge and um... and we built the studio and of course it was called in-house because it was in a studio i mean in a house in that environment because I owned the studio and I wasn't constrained by um, money and hours of time. You know, because when you're in the studio, all you do is sit there and look at your watch and count down 125 bucks an hour. You know, but when you own it, you don't, you, that's not ha- you don't have to do that. So I spent two years in the studio creating music that emulated the breathing pattern. And so I figured out a way of creating cord structures that rise and fall according to this seven or eight-second inhalation and exhalation. And it took about two years of you know, sporadic experimentation to get that right. And I remember the day it happened... And we were all in the studio. there was about 10 people and I played this track and I laid it into the computer and then I played the other track of the of, I played the track of rising chord and then I played the track of falling chords and and I then I played them back and cross faded with, with, with um, faders in between them so I could I could do it for the seven seconds in in the inhalation and the exhalation. And I did this for 20 minutes and we recorded that movement. And, we, and I got everybody and pressed go and they were all in the studio room and, and everybody started breathing in time with the music. <laughs> hmm. And I didn't tell anybody anything. I just said, here, listen to this. Hmm. And they all started breathing and, and it was just the most amazing thing. It was really fulfilling. Um, and that was the beginning of Therasound.
0: Uh-huh. Now, in just a moment, I want to hear some of the music from this creation. Really, this was the birth of your Musical Body series. Is that, is that correct?
1: Well, the first piece, actually, in, yes, but no. The first piece that came out was a piece called Balance. And it's a very famous piece of music. And some people say it's the first actual real therapeutic piece of music. And that came out in 1985. And through various twists and turns uh, of life, you know, I began to work um, on the musical body program around 1985. And it, I didn't complete that until 1990. It took five years to make it, and I was on that every day for 5 years um, I, sacri- I gave up everything I sold the studio I went into vipassana for the first time I you know I gave I stopped practicing all the other practices and I and I went and learned vipassana and I gave up my studio and I got a house in Newton and I set up a little tiny recording studio in my living room and I just as they say in music, musicians, we go, call, we, call, we we, we would shed, you know, I was shedding, you know, so I just, I just shed and worked on my own body, my own energy centers, my own psyche. I lost my mind so much so that my girlfriend at that time, I finally was not married anymore to Stacy, who put me through the windshield, um, Laura. Loving, kind woman, she said, "You need to go and see your real father." And I had never met my real father in my life. And on the heart chakra, I couldn't do it, and I was insane. And she put me on a plane, and I flew to California and met my real father because of the music work on the musical body program.
0: So you mean the the song that we're about to hear? which is in the key of C. Yeah. That in order for you to actually create this, you had to have your own heart opening that involved going to visit your father with whom you were estranged?
1: Who I never met.
0: Who you never met.
1: Who I never met. And I was 38 years old. And my mother had kept me from meeting my real father my whole entire life because of what the terrible things that in her mind that he had done and lo and behold I meet my father he's a doctor he's an MD and he's a classical pianist and the rest is history I was so crazy when I went to meet my father and he had a house up in Three Rivers, California in his beautiful house in the mountains in the Sierra Nevadas and I was talking all this stuff (laughs) I never met this person, you know, and I was talking all this business about chakras and energy centers and key signatures and rates of vibrations and purpose and intent and this kind of business, and he said, you know, I know a place where I think you should go. (laughs) He actually said that, (laughs) and I said, I tell you what, why don't you give me that Volkswagen van over there, and I'll drive up into the Sierra Nevadas, and I'm going to do a seven-day meditation course by myself and I'm going to come back and I'll be okay." And I did that. And I didn't even have a name yet for the musical body, but I had all seven pieces completed. And I came back down, and I had the picture of the musical body drawn, and I had the name and the whole thing, and I was, I was just fine. And That's how that happened.
0: So, David, can you tell us just a little bit about the track that we're about to hear?
1: Yes. This is the key of C, it's from the Musical Body Program. The key of C resonates with the root chakra, the first chakra in the energetic body. And this music uh, will help you breathe in such a way as to drop your pulse and blood pressure and to come into the body. The root chakra is about many things. It's about creation, it's about purpose, It's about who am I, and it's also very much about grounding. And so the energy of grounding is in this piece of music, and the purpose of the use of the key of C is to come into the body and truly experience the joys of incarnation, because lots of us don't want to be here, you know, but we actually are here. (laughs) I made this piece, so hopefully it'll help people ground and come into the body.
0: Wonderful. Now, is the idea, David, when listening to a piece of music from the musical body that's designed to open the energy of a certain chakra, is it opening? Do I feel the root chakra in my being change while I'm listening to the music? As I was listening, I felt more of a sort of whole body effect. So I'm curious about that.
1: First of all, it's a very good question. And second of all, it's nice that you were having that particular whole body experience um so the answer is yes each energy center is is resonating at a particular rate of vibration this goes back to the ayurvedic work and the chinese work by the way um a a rate of vibration is like for example the key of a is 440 cycles a second if you will there's no such thing as the key of a there is the rate of vibration of 440 cycles a second we have assigned that value of the key of a to that rate of vibration that rate of vibration happens to correspond to the rate of vibration of the brow chakra so moving to the root chakra and this concept of rates of vibration becoming key signatures which enables musicians composers to create music that is performed in the rate in the key signature that is the rate of vibration of the energy center so If you take that premise, and now here's another one, this is called resonance or entrainment. So I can take a tuning fork, two tuning forks. One, they're both in the key of C. I strike the tuning fork, one of them, and I hold the tuning fork without striking it up against the one that is vibrating. And what happens is the non-struck tuning fork begins to vibrate along with the one that was struck and is vibrating. This is the, the theory. It's not really a theory. It's the function of resonance. So I apply this function to creating music, to composing music. So what I do is study deeply both interior and my own experience and through, you know, constantly updating and experiencing ancient texts um, about rates of vibration and their harmonic correlation to energy centers. So, so that's the theory in that zone. And now what happens is, is that as we walk through life and we're human beings on this path working on our purpose, working through life, and as the, as, the, as the vicissitudes of life do their thing, particularly in 2010, as as the world crashes in on us and we live in the world, all of our energy bodies are completely out of tune. They're not, they're, and they're shut down. And out of tune is equated with shutting down, or as I call it, bound. They're bound. Mm-hmm. And so the energy centers are bound up and, and blocked is another word, blocked. What's blocked is the free-flowing movement of vital force. Small aside, that's what you experience when you say a whole body experience. The key of C resonates with the root chakra to such a nice degree that it actually in that very short period of time can get the body to breathe in a certain way and in so doing actually help to release the vital force that is held in the roots in the root chakra that's why it's a whole body experience and that's why it's in a grounding experience because primarily the root chakra well not primarily but the root chakra is the seat of the essence of of the vital force it 's what they call the fire, the creative fire. this is why you always see a serpent coiled down at the bottom of the of the drawings of Hindu drawings of the of, um, of the energy centers
0: so so, so we're yeah, so we 're bound up, and the music unbinds us right. through our our energy system begins to resonate with the vibratory key of the music.
1: Yeah, which is the frequency of the energy center. Uh And through the phenomenon, nice word, through the phenomenon of resonance, um, the energy center comes into vibrational contact with an external sound source, i.e. the music. And like the two tuning forks, it resonates with its optimal frequency, right? the the rate of vibration of the energy center. When it resonates with that optimal frequency, it it opens up, to use a term. It becomes unbound.
0: Okay, and I want to go back to this image of you doing the Tibetan overtone singing Mm -hmm. with a feather on top Mm -hmm. of your chakras lying down. How does this discovery, discoveries that you've now put into your music relate to the overtone singing and the feather on top of you?
1: What I would do is locate the frequencies, translate them into key signatures, which documents in Ayurvedic land do that, and then I would pluck the string that was in that key, like the key of C, the key of G, the key of A. And at the same time, so when I was plucking the string and it was lying on my chest, the vibration of the string in the key signature, which is the rate of vibration of the energy center, would would go into my chest and go into my body. At the same time I was doing that, I was doing the breathing thing for each energy center and getting myself to be in that deep relaxation place. And, um... And so I was doing both of those things at the same time, uh, and then lastly, I would tone and use that use the three tone technique, which is a very ancient technique it 's one of the oldest instruments the body the body is an instrument at at like singing at that point, and I would tone to use a term in this, in the key signature that i was plucking on the guitar and so i was getting the tonality of the note <clears throat> and i would get that tonality in my chest cavity and then in the practice of of that thing what you do is is that you isolate um entities that are in the body i don't know if you know this i mean this is a very specific thing and you isolate um entities that are looked at as to be sankaras in the body And these are entities that are desires and attachments and and things that are binding the body. And by shooting with intention that vibration that is contained in the three-tone singing to that area of the body, um, you help dissolve and unbind um, that entity. You don't kill it. You don't remove it. You just resolve the issues that are underneath, that are underneath the entity.
0: Now, that's an very interesting Jungian. word, entity. I mean, I think of yeah, it's
1: en- very Jungian. You know?
0: And entities like a being.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's just a way of understanding archetypes. It's a way of understanding um, how the trauma back to the binding. See, the thing that's binding the energy center is, is the traumas of everyday life, and then the individual traumas that one might go through for example like not meeting like not knowing one's father Um, this this these traumas like having an accident and breaking your back you know these traumas bind up the energy body and hold and and keep keep the chi from free-flowing through the body which then keeps the essential self, which is the whole point of all this work, is to clear out the pathways within the mind and body system for the essential self to come forward into the heart. This is the entire purpose of the practice, is to experience the vibrational rate of the unfettered heart, which is the expression of unity and the, and the expression of the beauty of the of the inner and outer being simultaneous of the macro and micro being harmonized and of all four essences purpose creation identity and intent being one with the movement of giving and receiving simultaneously
0: mm, beautiful
1: tammy that
0: is the purpose okay <laughs> beautiful Now, of course, I'm interested in more unbinding, which uh, means we're going to listen to another piece of music in just a few moments. But leading up to it, I want to listen to some music that's from the work that you've done with pain management. Because, I mean, if ever there was an instance of feeling bound, I think it's when we feel pain, physical pain, emotional pain of some kind. And I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about how you've incorporated these discoveries into music that helps people with pain management?
1: Well, being a person who, you know, lives, lived through and still does live with, you know, chronic pain, um, I have a deep interest from a service, you know, from a serving standpoint of helping folks, um, uh, get some relief from pain uh, without, without addicting narcotics Um, and so in my own personal experience I found very much how breath control and relaxation techniques through the breath and through uh, meditation to use a term. was very, very helpful in relieving um, pain. So through the work of balance and through the work of the musical body program, I learned and had many wonderful experiences with patients and with practitioners who would talk about the experiences they were having with the unbinding of the energy centers and how oftentimes there was a sense of relief and pain uh, and, in, in quotes, letting go uh, of, of the pain uh, that, was, that happened to them when they listened to the musical body program or to other pieces. So that led me to think that I should try to turn my attention to actually constructing some music that was specifically designed to help folks um, let go and relieve pain, so the binding concept is, is, an, is, a, is, a, is an overarching function in the work, uh, and it and it applies here very much. Where pain is is pain, and we and to use the term, we quote hold the body. In pain will create a posture in the body. It's a way of holding the body so that you don't have the pain. You know, you'll sit one way or you'll arch your foot one way or you'll lie down one way or you'll have your neck will move one way and you'll be holding the body. And this holding over time creates a posture And it creates a mental posture, an emotional posture, and a physical posture. Mm. And so, just like the binding, which also creates its own posture in the chakras, in the energy centers, the binding will cause mental and physical postures. Uh, Same thing with pain. It will generate these, these ways of holding the body. So this concept of holding is a very big concept in the therapeutic use of sound and just in the, in the energetic work that I do in general. We've, and so hence, we call these things letting go or unbinding, things like this. There's a basic premise that the body is holding the trauma of the, of the source of the pain at the location of the trauma. There's a lot of nice work about fascia, and the grid of the fascia in the in the body and how the fascia is the bridge between the mind and the body and the fascia is the place where the trauma is physically held in the body so armed with all this knowledge and, and with my intention of serving and helping folks you know, come to get some relief in a non-pharmacological non-addictive format <laughs> And to help people come to, you know, come to know themselves and to know that they can do this work. Um, I'm not anti-drug, you know, anti-pain medication, but in I am very much an advocate of, of, of the patient learning to take responsibility for some of their own healing. And so it's with that type of outlook that I set out to create the pain management program. So... It's a two-CD set. One CD is is, um, designed to resonate and help the body uh, let go of the pain and the trauma, let go of the holding. See, as the body holds, it tenses. It's tension, right? It holds. It creates tension. This tension is a good thing in the beginning of the trauma, but it turns, it turns pathogenic, to use a term, um, over time, and it becomes unhealthy, and, um, and it doesn't allow healing to occur. That's what swelling is over time. That's why people take Tylenol, or you apply ice, or you apply heat. It's so that the swelling can, can stop, because when it's, when it's still swollen and all that blood is rushing down there, it won't let go. So the tension is there, and it continues to perpetuate the pain. So breathing is very good for this. And so one CD is about breathing into the body and helping the body. The interesting thing about the pain management program is the second CD, not in any order of importance, but the second CD is designed to work with emotional trauma, which in my experience is, is half, if not more, Than the chronic pain journey that any individual that's suffering from chronic pain is on. And what happens is, just like the body is holding the trauma, the mind is holding the trauma. Suppose your mother abused you, or that your uncle abused you, or something bad happened, or that you were in a bad car accident. The memory of this abuse, the memory of this trauma is held in the body it's held in the mind and it's held in the body and you need to let that go and as long as you're holding on to that the pain will cycle around and cycle around and cycle around and you'll find yourself caught in the, in the circle of chronic pain so i designed the second cd to deal with this emotional aspect of chronic pain and. It has a very nice effect, and and I think it's fairly unique in the annals of pain management is to develop a program that's both body and mind.
0: And I want to listen to this piece from the pain management program that's on letting go of anxiety, the emotional aspect of Mm -hmm. physical pain. And as we're listening, do you have any recommendation? Should we breathe in a certain way while we're listening, relax in a certain kind of way? Yeah.
1: It would be nice if all of us would listen to this composition for a few cycles of it. And you'll hear these lovely bell tones. They're really beautiful. They're ancient Tibetan bells, by the way. These are not digital things. They're, they're actual bronze bells that I have. And um, you'll hear the bell. Bing, and then you'll, you'll see that there's a period of time in between that bell and the next bell. And that period of time is approximately seven to eight seconds, and that is the in-breath, and then the bell tones, and it lets you know from the tone that it's time to exhale. And then the next tone happens, and the cycle continues. Um, and that's, I use those bells as a way of helping the listener key in to the precise breathing pattern um, that will create the relaxation response and help in this letting go process. At another level, Tammy, we hope that what will happen is over over many days of using the work, that the person will begin to experience the relaxation response very quickly, but in so doing, will find themselves in a safe, sonic environment that will allow them to observe and witness the source of their emotional trauma and not run away from it, not be angry about their position that they find themselves in, not be full of guilt or rage about the fact that they can't walk. Or that it's difficult to get out of bed or that they're angry at the person who hurt them hopefully by creating this safe environment their consciousness is in quotes allowing the reception of this deeply held trauma and it's allowing it to come forward in the consciousness through through the container of beautiful music.
0: Let's listen to part of the ice and pain management system. One of the things, David, that's so unique about your work is that it's actually been clinically tested and validated. I know that the National Institute of Health has actually done a study of the impact of your music. Can you tell us a little bit about that, both how the study came into being and, and what has been shown, what has been proven?
1: Well, you know, in my life, as a musician, an artist, and practitioner, the idea that the National Institute of Health, which is the Holy of Holies, would seek me out and research my work is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am forever honored and forever grateful for for that. So here's how that happened. It's a nice story. Jim Gordon, Dr. Go- Jim Gordon, he's the founder of the Institute for Mind-Body Medicine, and he's quite a character and is an old, you know, those of us who have been in this business like you, like me, you know, we've gone through the change from alternative medicine to complementary medicine to integrative medicine <laughs> and you know we've gone through that change all the way from the 80s you know to where we are now and certainly jim was a big part of that and he was actually uh and this was after the study but he was he was he became the head of the alternative medicine uh arm of the of the nih um but at any rate Jim had this place in in the middle 90s, which he still does, called the Institute for Mind-Body Medicine. He had me come and do a nice workshop there, which I did, and unbeknownst to me, he invited his friends from the NIH to come and attend this this workshop, and I didn't know that, um, and so they came, and it was a big success. It was really great, you know, it was supposed to last from seven to nine at night, and there was only supposed to be eighty people there. There was like two hundred people, and it, it, at midnight I was still on the stage, you know, processing people through the harmonizer, and you know, being the Lenny Bruce of the of the sound healing movement. And it was really, really a nice thing. So six months later, I'm uh, in my desk in in Concord, Massachusetts, and my secretary comes in and says, you know, um. The National Institute of Health is on the phone, and I'm like, "What?" And so I pick up the phone, and, and the guy says, "This is Dr. George Patrick from the NIH. I'm chief of rehabilitative medicine." And now, you know, I'm basically on the floor because I can't believe this. And he says, "We had got, we went to the Jim Gordon thing. We got your musical body program, and we got balance." And uh, we've been playing it and using it with our patients here, and we've determined that this music creates physically the relaxation response. And, and it drops pulse and blood pressure without even telling people um, what to do, to do it. And we've figured out that this is real, and real enough for us to now fund a three-year study with with like 287 patients and we just wanted to call you up and say that that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and that's basically how that happens.
0: And what has the three-year study revealed? Anything definitively and how is it measured?
1: It's very definitive and as definitive as what we call experiential, you know, um, research can be. You know, as you know, during the evolution of alternative medicine and integrative medicine there there began to be a need for different research models as opposed to the blind double-blind tests and there began to be um, a need for models that were not based on the traditional uh, approach especially in terms of energetic work and and things like this so they developed what they call tools of measuring um, based on experience and real-time experiences which were employed in this study. So it was a three-year study, and uh, they would put people in chairs and lie down, and these were all kinds of people from AIDS patients to you know physical trauma patients to cancer patients to uh, just accident-related people. It was a large variety of large population and uh, they would play the music and um, they would take pulse and blood pressure before and after and uh, and then they would ask various questions during the sessions and the people were instructed to raise their finger if it was yes and to not raise their finger if it was no this was a way of collecting real-time data and experiential data as well as taking pulse and blood pressure and some other measurements. So what they found was that certainly the relaxation response and dropping of pulse and blood pressure is very um, consistent in using the music over a 20-minute period of time. But secondarily, and much more interestingly, is that there were a number of symptoms like headaches, like pain, like dizziness and nausea, uh, and a, you know a, a list of symptoms that are associated with illness and trauma, and all of these uh, symptoms were showed a drop of what they measured, a drop of fifty four percent, pretty much across the board of all of these symptoms that are associated with trauma and pain.
0: That's a very definitive result, as you said, fifty four percent drop. That's huge.
1: It's real and, and and then you know a lot of these symptoms which is very interesting you know a lot of these symptoms are emotional in nature you know and that brings us to the pain management idea and it also brings us to the binding idea you know it brings us to the letting go idea and the emotional component of a spiritual practice and the emotional component of pain management and relaxation and stress reduction.
0: Tell us a little bit about the piece we're going to hear from Relax, which is a release scheduled to come out early in 2011.
1: Well, I'd like to preface that by saying this, that music is a wonderful and ancient vehicle for spiritual growth, personal growth, and healing. And music is the bridge between the etheric essence, the realm of essence. This realm is where the golden proportion lives, where the Fibonacci series lives where the energies of purpose and the essences of identity and intention, these live behind the veil of the physical world. And those things, like the golden proportion, are in fact proportions, and they're ratios, and in fact those ratios and those proportions are harmonic in nature. Music is harmony, and it's harmonic in nature, and music can is the bridge between those etheric constants, those essences of universal energies, and it and music is the physical, harmonic representation of those proportions, mm. and composed correctly using those proportions and using clear intention and clear purpose music can pull those proportions down into the physical realm and provide the listener with an experience of those very essences by representing those essences as the proportions that they appear as they are in nature and music is the only art form that does that And so we would like to share with people how much we have lost in the art of music and the magic of tone and how much sacred work has gone on in the dark past, in the long past, in the ancient past, and how far away we've come from the use of music as a healing and as a spiritual tool. And I would like to hope that my work is helping renew that spirit. Uh, And I have dedicated my life to learning those laws and to be able to compose accordingly. So I just wanted to say that.
0: A a beautiful statement, and I can assure you, David, that the work that you're doing is helping to reclaim this highest function of sound and music in the world. I can assure you that. Thanks, Tammy.
1: So the new piece, Relax, is my newest composition. It uses the sacred breath effect and the breathing patterns. But they change in the piece themselves. The piece is an hour long. It's a full composition that lasts an hour. And it's, so it has as its bed at the bottom of it is the breath effect chord structures. But this is overlaid by melodic counterparts that, that express emotion that are designed to, to tell a story of emotional fulfillment, of peace, and of longing. Mm-hmm. And it's an expression of those emotions that sit on top of the breath effect. And that some total of all of this harmony together, in my experience, is one of the most beautiful pieces that I've ever written. And... I'm just really thrilled that it has found a home, you know, in Sounds True, um, because it's a really special piece of music, and it's very different. uh, And yet at the same time, it's tapped into that ancient spiritual path. So that's the new piece called Relax.
0: David, it's been fabulous to be with you and to have an introduction to your musical work. There are so many things about life and the spiritual path that, for me at least, are hard and challenging. And being able to listen to that kind of music, sit back and breathe, is a a great joy and a great balm. So thank you. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome, Tammy.
0: David Ison has created many programs that are available through SoundsTrue.com, including the Ison Sleep System, the Ison Pain Management System, a nine CD set on the musical body, as well as a transformational musical journey that's called the Musical Body Vitalizer, and then coming out early next year, a CD called Relax. And many other programs, actually, that are currently available through Soundstrue.com of David Eisen's music. Soundstrue.com, many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.